Uncaged. Uncaged. A show celebrating thought leadership from today's top business leaders. The program provides a voice to amazing executives from around the globe who are shaping the world of business today and mapping the path to the world of commerce tomorrow. And now, please welcome our host, Bant Breen, as we begin another Uncaged episode. Today we're speaking with Mario Bordone. Mario, how are you? I'm great. Great to be talking with you, Brad. Yeah, and I'm very excited to talk to a fellow Dukey, which is also great, but also the Chief Scientific Officer of BioLoris, which is innovating the future of in vivo preclinical molecular imaging by combining study design consulting, study management, and image analytics. And we'll go through the BioLoris story that Mario has taken from the ground floor all the way to where it is today. But before we go there, Mario, let's talk a little bit about your background and your career. Well, um, my my background is in, in biology. And that's an interest that's uh, started out very early. Uh, you know, my among my first memories, uh, about four years old, crawling through the backyard and all fours, following a trail of ants. And that was, you know, that kind of backyard safari. Where were they going? Where were they? Did they come from? What, why, what was going on? Right. And, and that's been a thread throughout my life is, is, uh, learning new things, getting excited about discovery, and uh, and all that has been focused uh, through this uh, perspective of how do we connect things and and put it together in, in space and time. Uh, so from that early interest in how things happened, um, I had um, grew up here in Sacramento, California. And, you. Uh, when I was uh, about 13 years old, my family moved down to San Diego. Uh, and uh, I went to high school here. And then I went to UCSD as an undergraduate. And I was working my way through school. And I uh, had my own little business gardening uh, <laughs> to, to, as a service here in La Jolla and, and Point Loma. And then I had this really great break. Uh, I got a job as, uh, as a technician at uh, Scripps Institute of uh, Research Institute and in the laboratory of, of Frank Dixon, who was the, the director of, of the uh, institute at that time. Mm-hmm. And it was an incredible experience. They were doing cutting edge research in uh, autoimmune disease. Uh, they were doing new technologies, uh, and I was so excited about it. They had a variety of, of techniques, including what are called radioimmunoassays. Uh, they were subsequently uh, developed uh, ELISAs, took their place as, as technology tools for measuring small amounts of, of drugs and biomarkers for various diseases. Mm-hmm. And uh, from that experience, and, and again, the opportunity to do more, one of the things that 
that came out as a characteristic of mine was whatever I was doing, I asked, couldn't we do it better? Couldn't we do it faster? Could we do it more efficiently? What would it be like? We had this regular uh, structure of doing the assays and we'd add one chemical part of the component of the assay and we'd have to wait a little while for it to integrate. Right. And then we would go to the next step and the next step. And it was very much organized, had a very precise way in which we needed to do it. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, couldn't we do a bit more? While one thing was going on, we could start another one. And they would all go in parallel down, downstream. Yeah. They would, would do more. I thought this was a great idea. <laughs> My, others in the lab <laughs> didn't quite see it that way. It was like, Mario, why do you want to do twice as much? Yeah. <laughs> We're getting paid the same. No, that, that wasn't the point. So, uh, you know, from there, I had a, a great opportunity to, to uh, then grow and develop. Went to uh, Duke University, and that was that was a, the, the thrill of a, of, a, of a lifetime. I was there um, at a time when biomedical research was taking one of these great leaps uh, forward, and uh, I was really fortunate uh, to be picked up um, as a PhD student in the laboratory of Daryl Bigner, who was an immunologist wow. and and neuro-oncologist, he's, he's just an incredible scientist. Yeah. And so I was one of uh, a couple of graduate students in that laboratory. And it was at a time where new technology, monoclonal antibodies, was just coming on the scene. It had been developed, first published about maybe three or four years earlier. And my task as a graduate student was to learn this new technology and develop monoclonal antibodies to human glioblastoma uh, tumors. These are brain tumors. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I had um, great, great uh, success with that. We developed a monoclonal antibody that uh, specifically targeted the glioblastoma tumors. And the, we looked at the biology of that where was it in the tumors, what kind of tumors, um, and all with an eye of the Bigner lamp looking toward development of uh, therapeutic. And um, that was Neuradiab. So this was a monoclonal antibody with a radioactive molecule, iodine molecule, uh, that was intended to go into patients in fact, it, it went all the way into, in, into phase uh, three trials wow. to be able to treat um, uh, as a therapeutic, immunotherapeutic uh, brain tumor. So that was very exciting to be uh, a part of that. Um, you know, I then did my postdoctoral work in uh, what was then called the La Jolla Institute for, uh, well, it was the La Jolla Research. Cancer Research Foundation, mm -hmm. Previs uh, Medical Institute now. So um, they're continued to learn about molecular 
uh, biology, how to clone right. genes. And mm -hmm. we cloned, um, among the first was I cloned a, a proteoglycan core protein. So you've heard of molecules mm -hmm. like chondroitin sulfate. They're, they're really important in, in how our tissues function and uh, they change during uh, development of tumors. And went on from there to um, a, a career in, in research, uh, first at uh, Loya Cancer uh, Research Foundation, and then uh, went into several organizations that were research institutes that had been uh, created uh, by for-profit uh, biotech and pharmaceutical companies. Right. So this was at a period of time when the uh, pharmaceutical companies and technology companies wanted to be able to support and grow basic research uh, with the thought that new, they would have then the ability to uh, access uh, and target their own research and right. drug development uh, more effectively. So that was an enormous uh, opportunity to learn this collaborative environment and how we would do basic research and then, you know, pass it on, uh, pass the baton to those who would uh, develop products and services and drugs uh, to treat human disease. Uh, so uh, I went to, uh, from um, California Institute for Biological Research, uh, which was a strategine um, company institute set up by strategine to a, an institute first uh, set up by um, a, a unit of uh, Pharmacia, right. uh, which is now Upjohn. And, uh, and that was the Hoya Institute for Experimental Medicine. And I was recruited to head up that uh, research institute. And so that was very exciting. I was, you know, still a, a young scientist. And yeah. uh, this was a huge, a huge challenge. Yeah. And um, and risk, and I um, I took it, and it was an exciting uh, fifteen years there. That's amazing. At somewhere along the way, Mario, you perhaps got the entrepreneurial bug. Maybe there was an opportunity, but you founded BioLoris. So that happened, I think, in you know two thousand and nine. Tell me a little bit right. about how that story shaped and where you guys are today. Well, it was, ser it was serendipity, really. I mean, I had been involved in various aspects of molecular imaging all the way back to my uh, graduate days at, at two, uh, where we did um, monoclonal antibody uh, imaging. And, um, and this was, uh, you know, part of the, the unique situation of doing this fundamental research in a, in a medical research department. Um, so with that in mind, I was looking to uh, set up a biotech company to develop some of our uh, research discoveries as treatments for uh, cancer. Mm -hmm. And as I was doing that, uh, and try, framing the organization, how would this company be formed? Uh, what resources would we need? Uh, how would I put together the program uh, to be able to go out to the uh, 
VCs, uh, venture capital uh, community for, for funding. Mm-hmm. And I came across a, a couple of companies that were doing something that I thought was amazing. And that was, there was GE, uh, for example, uh, who was producing new instrumentation that had just come out in the past year for molecular imaging. Hmm. And so these were spec instrumentation, there was ultrasound, um, there was uh, CT, there was a variety of different technologies for this molecular image. It was like tricorders, right? Mm -hmm. The whole idea, just like you would do in the clinic, is you'd be able to look at where molecules were going in the body and where the specific things were happening and where inadvertent and unintended uh, things were happening in the body. But you knew it in real time, uh, which was far more and and in vivo. Really, really exciting. Here were tools that were going to make it possible to do things that we had never done before. It was like, you know, Star Trek medicine now, now coming into our hands. Yeah. Like ideas that you had heard about and said, when I wish we could, and suddenly, boom, it's right there. Yes. Yes. And so here was transformative, disruptive uh, technologies. Here's you know, we often take drugs and we translate it from the world of the test tube, petri dishes, and 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 mice uh, to men into the mm-hmm. in, in man into the uh, clinical research. Here was an opportunity where it went in reverse because all this technology was there and uh, for for human research, right, and been used for years. Mm-hmm. But now the instrumentation was there to be able to do this discovery uh, research. So I was just excited by how this was gonna happen and the potential for its uh, utility. And so we've been able to work with a large number of primarily big pharma and Mm -hmm. large biotech companies on a whole array of projects. And this was something that excited me too. I was in, Mm -hmm. you know, had my career developed in oncology but here was an opportunity to, to learn about and work with exciting scientists right. from a whole range of, of diseases uh, that had nothing to do with oncology, mm-hmm. uh, all connected by the, the interest in, in being able to see where drugs were going, what were they doing, the pharmacokinetics right. of, of uh, these diseases. Mm-hmm. And we got into, in a big way, uh, CNS. Uh, uh, diseases. So that's incredible. What started as a perhaps an insight and something that you saw an opportunity in 2009 still flourishes and grows today. And certainly, I can see the role that you're able to play in particular right now in that obviously in vivo preclinical molecular imaging space. But I mean, tell me, Mario, more broadly, you've been a part of really the evolution of a lot of the research, the biomedical research, obviously biotechnology. You've been a part of helping redefine the drug discovery process and the development process. Where are we right now in all this? Yeah, that's, that's, a, good, that's a good question. There are 
the developments of biotechnology is, is always seems to be um, in fits and starts. We go through long periods of doing much the same things. Mm -hmm. uh, and then it takes time for various new tools and approaches uh, to allow us to ask new questions and to get more answers that are more and more relevant to what is going on in our human uh, bodies. Um, right now, I think there are, there are several uh, things that are, that are going on and, and um, particularly in, the, in one disease areas of, of uh, central nervous system, the brain. Mm -hmm. the, the knowledge and the detail of what is going on, the incredible complexity of, of the human brain uh, and how that affects how we may approach new therapeutics uh, is, is evolving really rapidly. Uh, you know, COVID had a huge negative impact on, on research. Uh, we had our own research. Um, we couldn't we couldn't get into our laboratories, right? We were right. shut down uh, for nearly a year. And I'm excited to talk to you about that topic because I I think that from the general public perspective, COVID was a fascinating medical moment. Certainly horrendous in terms of how it devastated people's lives, but at the same time, from a medical breakthrough perspective. Wow. I mean, what an incredible story. You know, we went from yes. sitting around twiddling our thumbs, not knowing what the hell is going to happen to suddenly rolling out vaccines around the world at light speed. I mean, I hope that we look back at this moment as kind of a, I guess, maybe a research moment, a biotechnology rollout moment, a vaccine rollout moment that we can learn from. But it did also strike me that perhaps a lot of other areas of research might have been perhaps lowered in their priority in that moment and perhaps slowed down. And I'd just be curious to hear, you know, your experience over the last couple of years. Well, as, as a provider of, of contract research, you know, services, and, and particularly because we're on the really high end, right. high technology uh, niche, that uh, you know, COVID has has had a uh, profound uh, effect, and and you know we're coming back from it, mm -hmm. uh, but we're coming back from it slowly. So yes, there okay. was a huge impact across the board uh, for most research, uh, and and it's taking a while for for that to to uh, to reemerge. So any any disruptions, any uh, problems in in the world as a whole, right? It has has effects on funding. It has effects on prioritization of, yeah. of research, and so it's quite a mixed bag. There are areas that are evolving uh, with light speed, and and again, the m for example, the mRNA uh, approach to vaccine development um, had been advocated and research had been going on for. A few years. Yeah, absolutely. And but it was not mainstream, and it was thought to be, yeah, you know, a bit, yeah, and certainly not commercial, right? Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And now, 
it's it's an incredible innovation driver. Yeah. Uh, I at the beginning of this, I would not have said that 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 this was going to be the answer, and I was like so many was totally wrong. Uh, well, that's it's good sometimes to be wrong. I think especially in this particular case. <laughs> happens all the time. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I mean, it is interesting though, and I can see that some you know research is pushing forward and coming back in a bigger way. But Mario, you know, when you were talking earlier about your excitement about molecular imaging technologies coming out and how that spurred you on to found BioLoris. What's exciting you right now? Is there any in any any stuff that's coming out right now that you're like, oh my God, this is amazing. Well some of it is is looking at the new developments in uh, AI mm. and artificial intelligence. Uh, and it's not simply processing big data. Right. When we're looking at uh, data uh, for imaging, these are huge data sets. And um, the, uh, the processing of, of that is, I think, fairly well defined at this point, being able to process and being able to categorize data that then we can evaluate and come up with new discoveries. Uh, AI is going to be a facilitator. Yeah. It isn't going to do it for us. No. No, I think absolutely that's a good distinction to call out, but can facilitate, can scale, can perhaps uh, do that thing that, oh, so long ago you were trying to do, which is to speed up the process, (laughs) which is so critical. Absolutely. Absolutely. And there's been some areas where that is is making a critical impact and and all the way from direct uh, patient care and and doing all the background uh, sort of sorting. Uh, I know this is going on with with, uh, brain uh, disease research, where they can gather now uh, data from across the world on patients with given uh, diseases and be able to begin to use AI to organize what would be trillions upon trillions of bits of information Mm. and be able to begin to uh, work it into a into a stream and prioritize that for researchers to to effectively now uh, get a hold of. So now that they can look at what would be historical data uh, with even you know, tens of thousands uh, potentially of of clinical trial participants uh, is is I think going to be enormously powerful because that precision medicine. And the, the way that uh, therapies are being developed for you as an individual, mm-hmm. that's the key to the, the future. We're that's not all the same, and we don't you know, fit just a population uh, distribution. You know, yeah. Those are those that, are, that respond very well to a drug, the average uh, response. And then there's people that don't respond to a particular drug at all. Right. Uh, 
Yeah. So we have to really tailor and shape and take that into consideration as we map out not only the final products and the rollout, but, you know, as we design these new products going forward. And thinking about going forward, Mario, I mean, here we are going into 2023. If you were to look through this coming year, what are the key things that are going to be on the docket for BioLoris and also just in the industry in general? Well, I think this is this is for BioLoris the the, the CRO model <clears throat> is one that that the, the the excitement that I have is is moving away from uh, those uh, kind of uh, research services to more directly into how do we incorporate our capabilities uh, to be able to process data to do this analytics because this is something that this more specialized, and we can collaborate with with far more people uh, to be able to investigate how AI is going to uh, help us do that and make this whole process of drug discovery uh, and transition through the preclinical space uh, much uh, much more uh, efficient. So yeah. I, I think that you know that is where BioLaurus is going. Uh, my my personal interest is is reshaping um, what I can do and and be able to work more directly uh, advisory services um, you know and and uh, becoming involved in uh, one or more uh, biotech companies and and specific kinds of uh, programs um, particularly in oncology uh, that I may bring this uh, experience uh, to so again that goes kind of with the my theme and that yeah. is to always get excited about new things. Yeah. And, no, and well, no, you know, the funny thing though, is that not everyone can see new things and make it into something that's useful or into an enterprise that can be commercially viable or to connect it into other things that already exist to make it uh, something that can scale. And so Mario, I mean, certainly it's a great one. I'm imagining maybe in the near future, we see a Mario AI. I don't know, maybe, <laughs> maybe. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> we'll see. Well, it's been a blessing to talk to you, Mario. We've been speaking with Mario Bordone. He is the chief scientific officer at BioLoris. Um, before we go, I mean, if someone wanted to learn more about what you and the BioLoris team are working on, where's the best place to find you? Well, I guess our our, our website or or my uh, you know uh, LinkedIn. Uh, so uh, yeah, I'm I'm there on LinkedIn. So that's uh, okay. one good way. Uh, and and the other is is um, of course to the BioLoris website. So BioLoris.com. Mario, thank you so much for joining us today. Mario is the chief scientific officer of BioLoris, and they're innovating the future of in vivo preclinical molecular imaging by combining study design, consulting, study management, and image and analytics. And we've been talking about where he sees the industry going in the future. It seems like it's going to be an artificially intelligent future, which that supports the process of making analytics uh, be processed and utilized more effectively, efficiently, and really bringing new drugs to market in a more positive way. Mario, thank you so much for being on Uncage today, and we look forward to having you back. Thank you very much, Pam. Cheers. Cheers.